Hey, what's up, dudes? This is Matthew Jennings. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, this is Ryan Ferran, the dashingly handsome, devilishly humorous Ryan Ferran. We got lots of topics for you today. You know what it is. Yeah. And here we go. Be sure to visit soundmind.app, peachjar.com, and nickelstrategies.com. Advocating for public education, sharing our stories, and celebrating our schools, students, and staff. From crisis communications to media relations, social media, and everything in between, we're here to give you the best strategies, tools, and techniques to help you help others. Welcome to the School PR Podcast, brought to you by Peach Jar, Sound Mind, and Nickel Strategies. Here's your hosts, Matthew Jennings and Ryan Ferran. Yes, yes, that is us. What is up, Matthew? What's going on, man? Do you like my impression of you? <laughs> yeah, I think I think you did an excellent job. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> oh, good times. Hey, so much to chat about today because oh. you've been continuing with these really cool videos you're doing. I want to touch base on several things. Uh, I know you talked to Curtis about ChatGPT. Yeah. We, we had a podcast on that a while ago. It was super popular, but I want to kind of get inside your conversation with him. Uh, we're getting towards that time, graduation, and then summer, what are we doing? So chat about that. Cool. I know you're going to have a very important conversation with a drone expert, and that was a huge trend that I think everyone backed away from with some new regulations. So yep. I think that new information that you'll have soon is very fascinating. And then we had out in California, very interesting conversations about media relations on our listserv and talking to the media off the record, kind of polarizing topic as some just don't do it, won't do it. And others like myself will do it, have done it and would suggest to do it under certain circumstances. We got a lot of ground to cover. All right. Cur current current events, I guess we'll call this. Yes. Current events. I like it. Topics. Um, so as we wrap up the school year, one thing we touched on briefly in a recent episode with one of our guests was grad walks, grad mm -hmm. runs. If you're doing them, you know how amazing they are. If you're not doing them, the branding, positivity, culture building is just so huge. We've been doing them here uh, in Arcadia for a long time. They're awesome. We started out, so this graduating seniors, the week before the week of graduation, would go in their cap and gowns back to their elementary schools. <laughs> elementary kids would kind of line the hallways. Um, they have signs. The teachers are there. And what's really cool is obviously some of the teachers that were teaching the, the seniors were there and they get to reconnect after all these years and congratulate them. They get, just get to take pictures with them. And then a lot of times the kids will go in the classes after lunch and kind of visit with the, with the kids, whatever class they're in with their teachers and do a little talk. And it's, it's just, it's, you know, teachers are in tears. The seniors are just super appreciative. It's just so heartwarming and good so if you're not doing those 
That's something I would consider to do for sure. Your seniors are probably already doing something similar. It just may not be official. So I would have somebody coordinate it, whether that's you or probably somebody at the high school ASB um, and just share them. There's a lot of examples you can grab and share to them. Be like, hey, this might be a good idea to consider. And then the year there to photograph video. This year, Matthew, we're gonna add, I'm gonna be my interns. Um, I'm gonna do an Instagram takeover, awesome. post whatever you want when you go visit all these schools. Um, so we're gonna add that element this year. But what success have you seen and how you know how great are these from your experience? Thousand percent. It's you know, the thing is the return on investment's huge because it is why we're all here. You know, the end goal is to get students ready to tackle the world. They get a degree, they're college and career ready. Highlighting that work in that moment is super critical and, to be honest, was always the most fun part of the job. Uh, getting out there, getting the photos of the graduations, getting the videos, making sure you're getting those on the website, uh, making sure that, you know, I would, I would change my hero banner every year on my webpage. You know, I'd, uh, you know I'd, I'd go out and get the photos and that would, be, that would be the hero banner for the next several weeks or through the summer. And um, I've also seen some other district do some really great things uh, like portraits of graduates. You know, here, here's, here's a portrait of a graduate and they talk about, you know, really high achieving, you know, seniors that have done really great work in the community or, you know, hundreds and hundreds of hours of community service or they've gotten accepted to a prestigious university or they have really phenomenal skills in athletics or academics or the arts. Um, so those portraits of graduates too also tie into this as your seniors move on as a really great way to kind of harness the power of, you know, these future alumni and, and how incredible your programs and services were to prop them up and help support them in their adventures. So yeah, I, I see a lot of different ways that these can be tackled and they're, it's always warm and fuzzy and they get a lot of love. Mm -hmm. It's great for the social media and the senior portraits too, I like, and I've seen in some towns and some areas, they've done it really well where they put those banners up yes. downtown and they, they have those and those look really good. My, my only, um, I guess the difficulty there would be like, who do you put up? There's only so many banners, but how do you decipher that? Mm -hmm. Um, but for those parents and that kid that gets a banner, wow, that's amazing. And it's a great way to celebrate your schools and your students. Totally true. You know, that's a good question too, Ryan. And if anybody else has that kind of question, uh, you know, how do you figure out who that is? Um, in Newport Mesa, years ago, we started a program called Character Trait Awards. And every year, six seniors are chosen to represent the six character traits. And they, they're chosen by the superintendent. Uh, there's a surprise visit that happens. They get certificates. Uh, they're honored at a board meeting. And then you know, I've seen Newport Mesa, for example, in social media right now, they roll one out like, I don't know, every couple of days or it seems like every week, you know, here's here's the next portrait of this character trait. Here's the kiddo that was chosen for trustworthiness. And this is a little bit about where they're going to college and what they're going to study. And uh, that could be one way if, if you're not sure like where to start or, or how that works, you know, character trait awards, um, mm -hmm. just kind of highlighting those seniors that that represent that, which was 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 really successful. Yeah, another thing you could do that now that you're talking that sparked a good idea is that good idea sparked maybe another one is using your valedictorian and then your mm -hmm. salutatorians because that's a good number, a good representation probably of the senior class, but it's not too many, not the entire class. So that might be a way to kind of distinguish who gets that, but they, they look great. I've seen uh, other districts use them and um, that's a great way to celebrate the seniors too. And then some people do some yard signs too as well. Yeah. Um, depending on your city code and your uh, ordinances yeah. there, but uh, that's something to look into. But 
now's the time to do that and uh, start thinking about how to celebrate those seniors. And if you're not doing a grad grad walk, I would uh, highly advise that. That's return on investment is fantastic. And you can just search Facebook, social media, and you'll see lots of districts doing them and how they do it. Um, good times. Uh, Chat GPT. Yeah. We did an episode on that uh, end of last year, ton of downloads on it. Everyone's so interested in it, but it's funny when you talk to somebody that doesn't really know about it, they don't really care. Once mm -hmm. they try it, they're like, yes. oh my God, let's talk about this and how you yeah. use it, you utilize it. Um, you got a conversation with Curtis. What's been your experience with ChatGPT? Should we, are we all PR folks out of jobs or what's yeah. happening? Yeah, that's a good question. That's that's one of them I kind of posed to Curtis too. Curtis Campbell is with the Puyallup School District in Washington and uh, a past Inspra Northwest Region Vice President. I, lo I love the guy. He's really good. And uh, we sat down and talked about chat GPT and kind of how how does it fit in and what we came out with, just kind of the overarching and definitely go check out the video. It's on Peace Share Extra Credit if you want to really kind of take a little deeper dive on this. But really the hierarching themes that came out of it was one, it's a really phenomenal way to get some template, base template structure messaging down. You can go in there and put some really specific stuff about your districts or a specific incident, like, you know, brief lockdown on campus or, you know, uh, a fire, a minor fire, everybody's evacuated the field, all clears given. Like, you can start using it for some template structure. Um, so it's really great that way, but it's just a really good foundation builder for about anything you need. So if you need a social media post... It's going to help you generate that. If you need to write a speech for your superintendent for the high school graduation, it's going to help you generate that. It's not going to be perfect, right? So you're still going to have to go in and get the context and put it in your voice, or your district's voice, or your superintendent's voice. Get the nuances with whatever that program is that you're highlighting or talking about. Make it specific for your programs and services. Um, but it's really great to start. And for me, always... Um, I have to admit, like some people say, I'm a I'm a really good writer, and I I've never felt that way. It I I, I have the hardest time in the world starting I've never felt that way about good. you either. <laughs> this is good. This is good. Though. I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, you know, and and I can't get started. Like, and uh, a, a friend of mine gave me a tip. Uh, you know, a few months, uh, not a few months, a couple of years ago, and it's like just skip the first line. Don't worry about what the title is going to be. Just skip the first couple sentences and just start writing. Like as if you're starting right in the body of whatever that messaging is. That helped me a lot. Um, and that's where I find ChatGPT is the most helpful. Gets me a starting point. No, you are you are a good writer. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you can't throw me those softball loads. <laughs> uh, that, hey, that's great advice though because sometimes we get stuck on the – because a lead sentence is very, very important. Very important. Um, that's – you know, you should take your time and really think about that because – if they don't like the lead sentence, they're not going to get the next sentence. So, right. um, and then the headline too. But you are right; the headline and lead may be dictated after yeah. you know you you write it. So that's really good advice. And you're spot on about the template and inspiration from ChatGPT. So you, you're going to need to tweak it. It's not perfect, but it gives you language that's pretty darn good. It writes in a positive tone. So if you're sitting there stuck, running through ChatGPT and I guarantee you, you'll probably use some of it as inspiration. If not, it took you 10 seconds and it's it takes no time at all. So it is good. Uh, it is a little controversial. I know teachers were concerned because, oh my goodness, English classes and all the like. And that's a real concern. But 
you know, we also had that concern with calculators when they were yes. invented, with the internet when they were invented, with uh, smartphones. So, you know, you, you need to learn to how to live with it, not, you know, prevent it and make it a bad thing. So it, it's here and it's not going anywhere. Yeah, it's, it's pretty clear artificial intelligence is going to seep into just about everything that we do. I mean, I think there's artificial intelligence now baked into like washer and drying machines like you can buy, right? And so it, it is going to be part of our everyday life. There's there's individuals that are <clears throat> way, way smarter than I am talking about how artificial intelligence will change the job landscape in the future. And what does that look like for humanity? What what does that mean for those of us that aren't necessarily producing a physical good? And what will our role be in all of that? Well, the only way we're going to be a part of that is to lean into it. And the, and the kiddos that are in school now coming up through this environment, just like we talk about them being digital natives. You know, I know Ryan and I went to school when uh, we were lucky if the school had computers at some point in our career, you know, played on the Oregon Trail and typing was a class yeah. and uh, all Let of that. <laughs> yeah, right. And so, yeah, yeah, that's funny. So, you know, these kids now, they are growing up with artificial intelligence, knowing that it's not going to go away. It's only going to get more prevalent um, <clears throat> means that we've got to lean into it where we can. Yeah. It's, uh, I know that's funny. I was thinking about some of those games like Lemonade Stand that we played in. Gosh, that must have been fourth grade. And you're like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. And you think about that technology now. Uh, yeah. How antiquated it is. Uh, but yeah, it's not going anywhere. And ChatGPT, so if you haven't used it, just try it. And mm -hmm. then it does way more than just write press releases. It writes you a song, writes you a novel, uh, get your grocery list out. Oh. So there, there's a lot of things it can do. And I uh, think people use it for business plans, like write me a business plan for XYZ. Um, yeah. It should be mentioned too that OpenAI is is this where you're going to go set up an account for, for you know, ChatGPT. There is a kind of a competitive one out right now, Google Bard, B-A-R-D. Um, I know that when they rolled it out a few months ago, I was in the, I was one of the, like first initial users that they allowed to come in and be part of the lottery to start using it. And I was waitlisted for a bit. And then a couple of weeks later, they're like, all right, it's your turn. I don't know if there's still a waitlist to get in there on that. Um, but Google Bard is another AI kind of chat GPT thing. <clears throat> and I've used that a couple of times as well. So what are the uh, differences? Dude? What do you think? I don't think that the Bard is as robust as the chat GPT. So if I were going to sit down and write a speech for my superintendent, I'd probably go, I actually, I'd actually probably do both and just see what kind of results both turned up. Interestingly enough. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that, you know, like in the Bard too, you can go in and say like, give me different versions. Um, and so it'll get, it'll spit back a, it'll spit back a speech and then you can say, okay, well, what other ideas did you come up with? And it'll tell you what the other ideas it had for speeches as well. Uh, so maybe, maybe you're able to leverage a couple of tools against themselves to really get yourself something uh, powerful. Yeah. And the, the, when you kind of first start using chat GPT or Bard, the way to get better is just you write better prompts so yeah. it learns and you say oh let me include this person's name or let, let's include mm -hmm. enrollment or this or that and so you get better at writing the prompts and it gets better at outputting whatever you need so that's interesting i haven't been able to mess around with bard so that's kind of cool yeah hey one thing we were talking about before we came on was drones yeah that was a big trend. Everyone had a drone shot in their videos in the high schools and everyone's like, let's get the drone up. And we used it here and it was it's awesome. And then 
all these new regulations came in because there's morons flying drones into wildfires yeah. and yeah. doing all this stuff. And they're like, oh, we're trying to save your house and you have a drone going up. Like, what are you doing? That became an issue. I feel like drones, you know, they, we saw this huge peak and then now nobody's using them because they don't, they're not sure what, how can I use them? Do I need a license? What do I, what do I need to do? And so you're setting up a interview with the guy who's basically an expert on this and does this for a living. And I think you're going to be helping a lot of folks navigate this as they, because we kind of looked into it like, oh, do we want to go through this license and all this? But mm -hmm. I think you'll have some information that maybe simplify it and maybe people will get back to using drones a little bit more. Yeah, that is the hope. Yeah, Peace Director Credit, a uh, meeting with Altitude University. And we are going to be talking about specifically schools and districts using drones and what they got to go through to do that. You know, uh, there are some really interesting requirements. And I think some of the things that I saw, too, in the early days really made me cringe as a, as a private pilot. Uh, I know some of the laws that were governed by that also govern drones that people kind of avoid. I saw a lot of drones at sporting events. So I saw high schools flying them over football fields and crowds and everything else. Mm -hmm. That's not, you, you're not able to do that. That's been a law for a long, that's not one of the new laws. <clears throat> you're not able to fly over large groups and crowds like that without prior, like, uh, I think it's even authorization specifically from the people you're flying over because of the dangers involved. Um, and, you know, like, for example, when I fly my airplane and, and I, I get close to, you know, Arrowhead Stadium or Dodger Stadium, if if the game is, if there's no game, I can fly right around there. But if I get close to the stadium and there's a bunch of cars and people in the stands, I'm not allowed to fly over that game. And so drones are managed a lot of the same way. And so the other side of this, too, is <clears throat> Part 107. What does that mean? You know, you know, the licensing requirements and the registration. If my drone only weighs 249 grams and not 250, do I have to register it? Mm -hmm. Uh, even if I get, you know, there's a, a DJI Mini out there that's 249 grams, uh, it doesn't require FAA registration, which actually is not that big of a deal. <clears throat> but let's say you get that. Are you then allowed to fly that drone for what essentially is commercial purposes at a school district? So you're going to go fly a drone, take a picture of a beautiful new playground or your new facilities. You're going to put that on your website or your YouTube channel. That's technically promotional. So now you're in commercial territory are you required to have a license? And so these are some of the things that, you know, we're going to talk about. How do you deal with flying over crowds? Um, how do you deal with the licensing and the registration piece? Where do you go for training? What kind of things are you looking for in training programs? You know, and then some of the rules around, can I fly my drone out of sight? Does it have to remain in my line of sight at all times? Which the answer is yes. Um, we'll talk about drone models too. Like does, do they have any recommendations for models that are easy to fly for Maybe people that are just, you know, a little bit above a hobbyist trying to do it somewhat professionally. Uh, and then some of the unique ways people can use them, too, because there's other things that districts don't necessarily think about, like, you know, inspecting air conditioners on the top of facilities or inspecting facilities using drones instead of putting somebody up on a ladder or taking architectural photos from a drone instead of like, you know, trying to get a helicopter or something out there or trying to find some old photos or plans of a facility. So... We're gonna be we're gonna be covering quite a bit. I hope altitude is ready for me on that day. But there's so many questions. Is there a is there a elevation altitude height and requirement to that you can't go over and something like that as well? Yeah, there's a lot of elevation and altitude requirements. It, just in, in terms of flying alone, for example, where I'm at right now, I'm underneath. I'm I'm in Orange County. I'm right by John Wayne Airport. Um, so I'm under what's called class Charlie. 
C-class airspace. And then <clears throat> LAX actually holds airspace, I think, just a couple of blocks over. And they're 30 miles from me. So their airspace extends out very, very far. And then they call it the upside down wedding cake airspace at an airport goes down to the ground. And then as you get farther away from the airport, the airspace height increases and it looks like an up upside down wedding cake. So there's, you know, there's a lot of restrictions on airspaces around airports, of course, around military installations and just whether or not you're under somebody else's airspace. So yeah, we're, we're going to be talking about all that. And then where do you get that information? You know, there's apps out there that help you. There's apps specifically created for flying your drone that'll, you know, check, are you cleared to take off? How do you get um, access? Because you can request access to take off near an airport. You just have to know how to do that. Yeah, when Matthew says he's a pilot, he's not talking about drone pilot. He's an actual pilot pilot of actual planes, which is yeah. very, very impressive. So that's <laughs> this is a topic right up your alley. Yeah, this is a lot of fun for me, which is also why I field a lot of questions, I think, about drones. People just assume that I know I know more about flying drones than I do, but I, I've flown drones a lot and, and from my previous districts before some of the laws changed as well. But Yeah, and I guess the other option is I was like, okay, looking at all this, do I want to go through this myself or do I, I can hire, hire somebody to do it? True. So. And that might, you know what, you bring up a good point. I might, um, I might ask that question too. Like if you're going to hire it out, what is it you're looking for? What kind of experience do you get? References, that kind of thing. So, no, that that's good. I really, truly, truly believe that Anybody can learn to fly a drone and it's not hard to jump through the test and get your licensing requirements. Um, <clears throat> if you go through all of that, you know, you could also kind of have a lucrative little thing on the side too. It could be a side hustle for you. Um, <clears throat> you know, so there's, there's a lot of good things about it, but I truly believe that it's, it, it is an open platform that anybody could have access to with a little training. Yeah. I, fl I mean, you're, I flew one. I don't, I don't know what the heck I was doing, but you are TIS guy. He knew what he was doing, although he did crash a drone into another drone. So that's another story. <laughs> well, I also happened. crashed a drone into a tree once and yeah, it happens. And that's <laughs> it happened. It happened. You, you know, what's funny is I remember, uh, I remember Ryan, I had to call my superintendent because it wasn't coming down, man. That, that drone was like <laughs> 60 feet up in a tree. And I called my, my superintendent. She knows I'm a pilot too. And I was like, so, um, you know, that, really nice drone we got she's like what'd you do what'd you do jennings I said yeah well it's up in a tree luckily one of my uh one of my grounds crews was able to recover that for me and i had to buy the whole grounds crew uh lunch one day as as a thank you yeah i mean that's the thing you spend the more you spend the more you're going to lose when you crash that thing because it's like oh wow i just ran it into a pool a thing and it's like yep. there goes the drone that's a thousand bucks yep so yeah it's uh it's consideration yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's uh, super cool. Uh, media relations and speaking off the record to a reporter. This came up on our listserv in California. It's come up in the past. It's always, you know, people at conferences, everyone has kind of a different opinion. Some people are of the opinion, never do it. Um, just that's their standard rule. And I I think that's a not a wise approach at all, um, especially if you have an important something you need to get out, but you may not necessarily say that publicly um, or you just want to give a reporter context. Um, and so as a former reporter, I'm much more comfortable doing it because I understand it. So I, maybe I wouldn't recommend it if you're not comfortable, you don't yeah. know how to set parameters mm -hmm. with people, maybe don't do it. So I'm not saying never. It depends. Off the record. Yeah, it, it take it. 
situation by situation if you know the reporter but i've done it too when i have never met the reporter this is the first phone call i've gotten and so i, I have done it and i've done it with a great degree of success uh so i just don't like the philosophy uh just easier to never do it make that your your typical guideline and protocol mm -hmm. when you can make such an impact um especially when somebody's reputation is way on the line here and it's malicious and they're trying to use the media and then there's this notion where you you can't trust reporters and I don't know if you look at our field we're there's probably way more than 50 percent there's hundreds and hundreds of former reporters and journalists that I think are pretty trustworthy and the other interesting part is I've had reporters ask me as a public information officer, mm -hmm. can I speak to you off the record? Yeah. And so I think you'll find there's a lot of quality journalists that want to get to the bottom of the story and to find out if it is a story. And so never doing it, I think is lazy and not a good approach. Would I advise it to everyone? No, but there's ways to do it and, um, so it's just a very interesting dilemma that some people have. Yeah, I think I think with anything, right, you said it depends. There's context. I think for me, when the question comes up, it's more of a learning opportunity, really, in that discussion with that individual. If you are not feeling like you have a relationship with a reporter that you can go on background or, you know, go off the record – um, that also speaks to like what kind of relationships are you developing with you know, the fellow reporters that you're that you're obviously probably hitting up trying to get to cover stories and trying to get positive stuff out there like that. I, for me, it, it's always kind of a learning thing. It doesn't mean you ever have to get to a point uh, where you feel like you can go off the record or background. But if you are uncomfortable with meeting with the reporters in their space, talking to them work on that relationship, work on that emotion, whatever that, whatever that feeling is, uh, work on that, right? Because it is critical to, they, they, our reporters and journalists need us just as much as we need them. It's a critical relationship. It's a critical line of communication, both sides. When you have an emergency, they're going to be Johnny on the spot. They can help you get appropriate, correct messaging out. So if you feel like, man, my reporters are just out to get me, that's a feeling you got to work through. That's an emotion you got to work through, and um, and and I would I would point back to the relationships that you're building. But I would totally agree with you. Like it, it is and isn't for everybody. I can I can give you. I'm not going to do it on the air right now. But the I've only done it twice, and I I know very clearly the exact two times that I went on background and went off record with two separate reporters. Both were turned out very successful, um, and the background was critical for both conversations. In both situations, the stories were dropped because the reporters were able to identify like, wow, okay, well, the information I've been getting from this one particular person has been so one-sided. What you've just shared with me really opens up, you know, the fact that <clears throat> this was clearly a, a, an agenda. Somebody had an agenda here. I get it. And so it worked. Uh, but I've only done it twice, you know. And so it's not like you've got to be out there doing it all the time. And, and certainly if you're not comfortable with it, then that's when you don't do it for sure. Um, but it, it comes down to the relationships that you're building. Yeah. And I, I've asked a reporter, can I speak to you off the record? 98% of the times they say yes. Mm -hmm. And they understand what that means. Uh, but I've asked that to a reporter and they said, no. 
Mm. I want everything on the record. But what that does is that's fine too, because it tells you everything is going to be, it sets the parameters of the conversation. And so it, 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 that gives you a lot of information and I'll just leave it at that. But that gives you a lot of information if they don't want to speak off the record, but ask them. And then the, the other thing is when you're having this conversation is, uh, so whether it's on the phone and I would, I would probably do these all over the phone. Um, you don't, I, the, the on the record, you can put an email and follow up. I usually would be like, okay, here's what's on the record. Here it is. I'll italicize it. I'll make it clear. But when I'm having the conversation, um, I'll say, okay, so this, again, this is all off the record. I'll speak. I'll say, here's what you need to know. And sometimes it's not this, you're not giving this amazing information. You're just saying, here's some other people that have information that you should speak to. I just don't want this. This is probably not appropriate. You probably didn't even want to put it in the paper anyway, but here's some things that you should consider or people that have more information than I do. Here's, here's them. So sometimes that just means what off the record is. But then when you're done with that, you say, again, that was all off the record. And then they go, okay, how about, um, what can I get on the record? Do they have another question? You go, okay, on the record. So you literally keep rephrasing that. And then you say, and then you can even say, okay, let me send you an email uh, with everything for you on the record. Or please, before you print this, let me know what you have for me on the record so I can just confirm and making sure I wasn't speaking out of turn. And so you can also ask them, please send me what you have for the on the record from me. I, mm -hmm. I just want to review it, make sure that that's correct and accurate. And um, every reporter I've asked to do that has done that. And I'm talking local and I'm talking national. So you can set parameters saying like, and if they don't, they don't want to have an off the record conversation. Okay. Then you know, everything you're about to say is going to go on the record or maybe just say, okay, that's great. Let me get those questions to you and uh, I'll send you a response via email for on the record. So there's ways to do it. Um, and every time I've done it, reporters have appreciated it and things I've gotten back. Like I said, when reporters said, can I speak to you off the record? It's been helpful for me to understand. And a lot of the times, the media is getting used by people that have an agenda, as you said, Matthew. So it's like they want to know that, too. And if there's another side, um, most legitimate reporters and journalists realize, OK, thank you very much. Now I have something else to look into. And yeah. I've told people, I said, look, if you want to do this story, that's fine. I have some information you may find interesting or some people you should talk to. If you want to still do it, great. But please just do me the favor on behalf of this story to look into it further. It's not a, let me get a soundbite, let me get a soundbite and put together the story. Like I promise there's more to it. And if it's still worth a story, do it. You're the journalist. I'm not telling you not to do it. I'm asking you, please look into it. I think there's more information that is interesting and relevant to the story. So, um, and I know a lot of people that have done it with great success and it's, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a reputation on the line. It's, it's, it's an allegation that is not accurate. And mm -hmm. so for me to do that for somebody, I'll do that. And you know what, if something happened, if I get, if I get screwed and they go with me on the record and I'm defending somebody, so be it. I'm will, I'm, I'm willing to take that risk again. It's a case by case basis, as we both said, but to have a flat out philosophy of I'm never going to speak off the record. I don't suggest that. And if you're not comfortable doing it, talk to me, talk to Matthew, talk to, there's a ton of former journalists in this field 
that know how to have those conversations, set parameters that will help guide you through. And here's some of the questions. So you got this email from a reporter. They're asking about this. How do I, how do I start even approaching off the record? We can mm -hmm. help walk you through those steps to do it because it is uncomfortable if you've never done it. Yep, absolutely. So anyway, it's interesting. It's one of those things we could probably talk another hour on and you can't, and it's, you know, it, it's complex and I, I don't suggest everyone do it. And, you know, we had our, uh, speaking of media, we had uh, a big national request from ABC 2020 with our superintendent and this whole thing. And so we did it, but, and it was a success because Dr. Van Alstal is a genius. And, but so just because I do it, I don't think it's appropriate for everyone. And I wouldn't put everyone's superintendent on, or I wouldn't have done it in certain circumstances. So yes, it can be done successfully, but in other circumstances and in your district or whatever your situation is, it may not be best, but reach out to somebody and see like, how should I proceed? Is there a way to maybe, you know, navigate this a little easier, but just to saying no, um, I, I, you know, I think maybe think about that twice. It's really about those relationships. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, you know, I, I had a, I had a reporter in one of my districts that just uh, was super negative about my district all the time, <clears throat> and then our neighboring district always got all the positive coverage, and it was interesting because the exact same incident would have happened in my neighboring district, and it would just be about how they're doing all these all these things to make it better, but then the exact same incident would happen in my district, and it was all the things we did wrong, even though we were doing all the other right things the other district was doing too, and you know, it just got to the point where that particular reporter I knew wasn't going to give me a fair shake. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that happens too. And in fact, it got to the point where everything was in writing. I didn't do anything on the phone with that particular individual. You have questions, I will answer you in writing. I will respond in writing. You know, that's a good example of I did not have a relationship with that reporter. My fault or theirs did not have the relationship with that reporter where I could do anything comfortably on background or off the record. Yeah. And but you learn that and you knew how to yeah. navigate that relationship. I mean, and to your point, there are reporters that just aren't good. They're not fair. And they do have an agenda, especially now in today's media with all these, you know, air quotes are up media and these blogs and stuff. There's political agendas. So trust everyone. No, but no. don't not trust everyone on the other end. Don't, you know, right. so there are people to trust, but there's people that do have agendas and that will burn you. Um, but it is about relationships and knowing that, and there's, there's different ways to navigate all that. Regardless, it is a fascinating topic. One that is, uh, always in the school PR field. And one I enjoy talking about, cause there are different perspectives and, uh, I'm definitely not always right, but I, I feel like, uh, on this one, there, there's some things that people can learn from that would greatly benefit them, their district and, um, this, the field of education. That's awesome. We hit on a lot. One last thing before we go. I know you're really good at this. Uh, so we get to the summer. We finally can come up, take a deep breath. We mm. got through graduation. We did all that stuff. Summer planning. What do you kind of use your summers for as we start to look for the fall? We have these projects. How do you kind of coordinate and organize your summer planning? You know, one one like quick, easy tip <clears throat> without dragging this out too much, getting in the weeds that I really enjoyed was... I would track all the big projects that I had to do throughout the year, uh, you know, teacher appreciation, state of the districts, like all of that stuff. And I would, I would track throughout the year the milestones. 
And then I would use the summer to go back in and populate those on my Outlook calendar. That's just one little trick I had so that, you know, April would roll around and it'd pop up at nine o'clock on a Tuesday. Hey, you got to start thinking about those applications for teachers of the year, you know, um, you know, those kind of things. So that, that really helped me set up. I found that we used to 10 years ago have time in the summer. Like summer was a little bit of a break. You could focus on cleaning your office, uh, you know, uh, you know, whatever that was that you wanted to do that just didn't happen all year long. But from what I feel like going in, just going into COVID, then through the pandemic and now out of it, the summers are just as crazy as the school year. And so without getting too deep into the weeds, um, that was one of the big things that I really enjoyed. Just taking an hour, mapping out the rest of the school year for the big milestones, those big events that I knew had to happen. Then all the little subtleties that went along with that, you know, and, you know, design if I knew every month I, or every year I designed invitations for the state of the schools, a particular, you know, month, great. I'm going to put that on my Outlook calendar. If I know that I'm going to do, you know, X, Y, Z uh, at particular times, it, it just helps. Yeah, I, we use the the Google Calendar system too. It's a great way just to pop up. Oh, a reminder, start thinking about that. So we just create a whole mm-hmm. separate calendar, a PIO calendar. And it, I think that's a great way to do it um, in addition to kind of your master list. Um, so I like that technique a lot. I got to ask you one more question before we go. Hmm. We have a lot of good guest interviews and stuff we did, um, that will be out soon as a pilot. Hmm. What is your favorite aviation movie? Oh, good. Yes. Yeah, it's an easy one for me. <laughs> it's a movie called Memphis Bell. It's a world war two. Uh, it might not be extremely well known, but the Memphis Bell was a B-17 flying fortress. Uh, and that crew went through their, I think it was 25 required missions, and they got to rotate home uh, to do a victory tour. Uh, back in that day, it was pretty well just unheard of to survive the required number of missions to rotate off that, you know, flying actively over enemy territory. Uh, most of those crews just didn't survive that long. And the Memphis Bell movie is an absolute Hollywood dramatization of the actual events. So don't be all trying to get like it's historically accurate. It is about a real crew. It's about a real airplane. And it is about something that really happened. But basically what they did was they took all 25 missions that the Bell and the crew flew and put it into one mission in one movie. Um, so all the bad things that happened to them over 25 missions happened all at once in one movie. Uh, but it's a it's a good movie, and, and I, I really enjoy that one. Okay. I think I got it. I feel like I watched that years ago. I know the title. I'm going to go back and watch that. The original Top Gun. Oh, yeah, of or, course. Or Maverick. Oh, man. Which one? Wow, that's a tough call. I'd have to say Maverick. I think it's just modern. I what? think it, Yeah, I I love the I love the original Top Gun. I mean, yeah, I mean it's a close it's a close it's a close one. And but I think that what they did uh bringing in the new characters and the new storylines and making it more just modern for the audiences, I would have to go with Maverick um just because it, it hit at a really good time for the country, I think. For some reason everybody leaned into it. We just needed it in that moment. It was a great reprieve from everything else that was going on. And so for a lot of reasons, outside of just the movie itself, probably I'd have to say Maverick. How about you? It uh, It's a toss-up. It is controversial. This is more controversial than talking off the record, I think, this one for people. Yeah. I think you're right, though. Um, people credit Tom Cruise with that's the first movie in a theater back 
mm. since the pandemic that people actually went into the theater to see because it was Tom Cruise, it was Maverick. We yeah. all remember Top Gun from when we were kids. Um, they It was very true to the Top Gun. They didn't try to change too much. They had the same cheesiness in there, mm-hmm. which was cool. Um, the relationship, you know, with him and, you know, yeah. Goose's kid and all that was, that was well done. Yeah. Um, so, so that was pretty cool. I love that yeah. scene when they get shot down though. He's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> it's awesome. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, but, okay. So that had me thinking too. One last thing before we go, there's a, there's a documentary that came out a couple of years ago on Apollo 13. Mm. Speaking of aviation, but it, I think it's a four-parter. It's on Netflix. And the reason I bring this up, not just for your entertainment purposes, but it's really good from a PR strategic lens. I learned a lot that I didn't know. And a lot of it, sadly, was pushed by marketing and publicity. Wow. Um, because this was such a big deal. They had the teacher going up. Yeah. And... um it was just fascinating. So <clears throat> for everyone listening to this, let me see if I can really quickly um, Google what this series is called for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Challenger. It's called Challenger, yeah, Challenger Final yeah. Flight. Have you seen that, Matthew? I think I did. I'd have to look it back up. I do think I did. It's It was a trip. I mean, you probably remember it. I, I You probably were. I know our class, we were all in the uh, auditorium watching them on one of those big rolling TVs they pushed into the to the lunchroom and all the kids, we watched it live uh, back then. I don't know what grade I was in, third or fourth grade, something like that, or second, something like that. Yeah, I think uh, probably second or third grade I was in. And But there's things in this documentary that you're like, wow, this is the power of publicity in our positions. And I felt like things were forced, timelines were pushed ahead that shouldn't have been. And it was because of the media. Pre- I mean, this was so big and, um, you know, getting the teacher on board. So there's a lot, A, it's just an inter- interesting, you know, American mm-hmm. history story that you should know and appreciate. But as school PR professionals, there's a lot of things that you're going to find fascinating about this documentary that you probably didn't know and that were significant factors in this whole story. So I'm going to actually go back and watch that again. But if you're looking for a good documentary on Netflix, I think it's still on there. Challenger, The Final Flight. It is, it's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a good tip for sure. Hey, you can be uh, my co-pilot anytime, bro. Yeah, I got you. I got you. What's that line? What's that line from Top Gun? I, I screwed that I up. That, no, I think you. I think you got. I'll be a wingman. You can be my wingman. Oh, yeah. Wingman. Yeah. Yeah, wingman. Because, no, you could be mine. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. You are still dangerous. You can be my wingman anytime. Bullshit. You can be mine. So many. That's the thing about Top Gun, and Maverick has some good ones, but the one-liners are just so, so good. <laughs> totally true. All right. All right, man. I appreciate you being my wingman. You have just yep. brought so much to this podcast. Our our, our listens are, are way up, too, since you joined, and uh, people are enjoying it. So That's all your fault. Yeah, that is all your fault. Uh, <laughs> so appreciate it, man. Always good insights. Great conversation today. We hit a lot. Um, and we have some great guests coming up too that uh, we're really looking forward to talking strategic planning, social media, 
and the like. And we have a giveaway coming up as well. So stay tuned. And we have 80 plus episodes. If you can't get enough of us, uh, check out this podcast. And Peach Jar Extra Credit has so much cool stuff on there. I'm going to go watch the chat GPT one with you and Curtis actually right now. Sweet. And Matthew, have a great rest of your day. You are the man. Thank you. You as well. All right. We'll see you, everybody. Be sure to visit soundmind.app, peachjar.com, and nickelstrategies.com 